Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hey Dave. Hey I'm Jess. I'm Jess Perkins. Oh, you are. You know, I never forget a face but I often forget a name. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen each other more than weekly for five years. Yeah. Give me my time. What is it? it? I know you from somewhere. I I know know you from somewhere. We do a podcast together. She's looking at me like I'm supposed to know her. (laughs) I don't. Hello, (laughs) mate. Hey, mate. Hey, is it 2022? No, it's still 2020. <laughs> I was, wasn't sure I had a long nap and I wasn't sure how long the nap or was. Or is it 2021? <laughs> it's 2021 Oh, now. that's right. We are, can you tell, recording these <laughs> out of order. Uh, I think this is the first one of you're the year. You're out of order. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're out of order. Uh, this is the first one of the year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, how was your New Year? Did you have a good time? Oh, did you have boy, some fun? I'll tell you what I did. Had yeah? a nap. Oh, wasn't right. sure how long I went for. <laughs> is this, has it happened yet? <laughs> Just, I don't want you, I don't know if you know, but we're recording this out of order. So I had a great New Year. It was fantastic. You're recording yeah. this out of order you're all 
<laughs> this old studio. Uh, yeah, but New Year's Eve was uh, fantastic slash disappointing as ever. Thank yes. you. Yes, yeah. always yeah. a bit of both. But um, it's a new year, a new chance for you to explain how the shoe works, Dave. Shoe works. Yeah, Ooh. tell us how shoes talk work. Talk us through the shoes. Talk us through the show. You still drunk from New Year's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened yet? Are you pre-drinking New Year's? Uh, pre-drinking. Weeks out. Pre-napping, pre-drinking. <laughs> doing it all. All right. New year, new us, new explanation of the show. Thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time, what we do is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener... And uh, it is Jess's turn to report on a topic this week. Matt and I, we have no idea what she's about to talk about, but to get us onto topic, you better believe we start with a question. And my question is, who was <gasps> the captain of the HMS Terror? HMS Terror. Uh, I don't know, but I'm <laughs> scared. Isn't that an incredible is name? It, is it like William Terror or something like that, yeah. where it's not even scary? Because that that's a... A legit boat. It's not a pirate ship or something. No. It's HMAS. Yeah, that's right. HMS Terror. Her Majesty's ship. Uh, ship. ship. <laughs> Her Majesty's a ship. <laughs> oh, wow. And we bow down to thee. Um, <laughs> the lady. Terror. Well. Yeah. Oh, someone we've heard of? Captain uh, Cook. Captain. That's in Denver, Captain isn't Cook it? comes up in this captain story. Captain. Is uh, it a captain? It's not a captain. It's El a Capi- sir. El Capitano. Sir. Oh. <gasps> Could it be John? 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 Franklin? Yes. Is it really? Yes. Oh, this is a wild story. Someone said, but I don't know it. (laughs) But apparently, it's all—it's a—it's a a wild story. It is a bit wild. It sounds like you know it. No, I I I saw it in the hat, and it was in the block vote. So I I read very briefly through those hundred topics just to make sure they're okay. Mm. And uh, yeah, this one sounded. Like in the, you know, the one sentence synopsis was yeah. like, holy shit. I'm worried you're overselling it. It is an amazing story. However, I have put this report together very hastily. <laughs> um, so it is it is a good story. Um, and I'll tell it. All right. I'm, I, I know nothing <laughs> so about it except that Matt has really sold it well. No, I, I, don't, I don't know it at all. But I the one of the people who suggested it, I think, said it was – it's. It's in the world of Shackleton sort of yes, epic exactly adventure right. yep. with a ship. Slugs are probably involved. The difference is that we don't know exactly what happened. Oh, wow. Oh, that doesn't bode well. You need survivors to tell stories. You do? Oh, no. So this has been suggested by a bunch of people and under a few different sort of uh, topic headings. Um, Most of them have sort of said Franklin's Lost Expedition. Okay, that gives it away a bit. Does a little (laughs) bit. So it's been suggested by Florence Jones, uh, Zoe Zoe Helena, uh, Ryan Campbell, uh, Ben, Baylor Robert Barnard, Keith Ross, Clara Louise... Tim Randall and Blake Wilde have all suggested this topic. Thank you to all those people. And this is how Kate Eschner starts the story in the Smithsonian Magazine. In 1845, Arctic veteran Sir John Franklin departed Britain in command of two ships, the HMS Terror and Erebus. Erebus, really the fucking... Erebus. That's the shit one there, isn't it? Named after its horn. Erebus. (laughs) (laughs) What's the other one? Terror. (laughs) (laughs) To seek the fabled Northwest Passage in the Arctic. They were last seen by Europeans in Baffin Bay off the 
off the coast of Greenland. Then both ships disappeared, seemingly swallowed by the ice and never heard from again, at least not from the explorers themselves. Ooh. Right, they never, she she, they never heard themselves. They never heard themselves. my God, were they wearing headphones or something? Yeah, they were having a silent disco. <laughs> um, Sorry, I can't hear you. What? Can't hear you. What? Turn off the silent disco. I can't hear what? you. <laughs> I mean, we're in real trouble here. What? There's a lot of ice. The men haven't eaten in weeks. I sorry, but I am absolutely banging one out to the Backstreet Boys right now. So Backstreets back Tara. Uh, <laughs> it's just the captain grooming it up, silent disco. <laughs> so the Europeans had been exploring by sea for centuries at this point. Christopher Columbus was out having a look around in the late 1400s. This is the mid-1800s. Oh, he's old news. Yeah, snooze. <laughs> Captain um, snooze. <laughs> there was a massive amount uh, of expedition over that time, added greatly to the, and it added greatly to the sum of European geographic knowledge about the Western Hemisphere, particularly North America. It was essentially like, we've done it all. So eventually they were like, yeah, yeah, we know all about America. Let's head to the Arctic. Let's check that out. So in the 18th century, a bunch of explorers made discoveries in the area around the Canadian coastlines and the interior and adjacent Arctic seas, including James Cook, who was often said to have discovered Australia, but I like Wikipedia's description better, in that he achieved the first recorded European contact made with the eastern coastline of Australia. That's a bit better. You can't really discover a place when there's... Lots of people already living there. Um, in 1804... I just discovered your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and its contents. And they're mine now. Thank you. In 1804, Sir John Barrow became the second secretary of the Admiralty, a post he heard held for over 40 years. Oh, that's a guy who doesn't have a lot of ambition. Because yeah. no, he's his second secretary. For yeah, 40 years. For 40 years. And he's just waiting for the first secretary <laughs> to die. Yeah, and they are like, Surely, I'm sticking I mean, this out for 50 he's years. He's 91. Surely it's my time <laughs> to shine. Any day now. Come on. He began pushing for the Royal Navy to find a northwest passage over the top of Canada and to navigate towards the North Pole. Over his four-decade career, he sent out numerous expeditions and they covered a massive area. By 1945, the combined discoveries of all these expeditions had reduced the unknown parts of the Canadian Arctic, which might contain a northwest passage, to an area of about uh, 70,000 square miles or 181,000 square kilometres. So they've narrowed it down a little bit, but it's still a big space. <laughs> that sounds like it's a huge. lot <laughs> So that's where the next expedition was going. Now, Barrow's in his 80s by now. He got the position oh, in his 40s. No. He's in his 80s. Waiting for that guy to die. He's nearing the end of his career. Imagine nearing the end of your career, you're 80, which for that time surely was very old, right? Yeah. Like life expectancy wasn't what it, what it is now. So he's, he's still working in his 80s. It'd be ideal if they could make this discovery before his retirement. <laughs> That's you know? what he said to the boys. Boys. I'm going to send you out there. I know it could be long and perilous, but <laughs> what you need to think about is I want to have a party for my retirement in May. Can you wrap okay. it up before then? <laughs> <laughs> because I if promised I leave my wife a trip to Africa no, exactly. in June. <laughs> and we're going in June. The tickets are booked. So and they are honestly. non-refundable. I, I, you know, you get a discount if you choose the non-refundable ones. Yeah, that's ones. right. You know, I saved about 25% on those. So, so if you could wrap it up, that would be fantastic. <laughs> you could find a Northwest Passage, that would be ideal. I think that's how he sounded. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a really blokey 
Aussie bloke. Aussie bloke. So he wanted to get some of that sweet, sweet glory. So he wanted to make sure he put his best man on the job. His first choice was William Edward Parry, who 18 years earlier had attempted one of the earliest expeditions to the North Pole. He set a record for human exploration farthest north that stood for nearly five decades before being surpassed by Albert Hastings Markham in 1875. So William Edward Parry, a very successful and uh, competent Arctic explorer. Great. Parry was a bit sick of Arctic exploration. And politely decline. Right. I can understand that. I always surprise when you hear of people who get obsessed with it. Yeah. And it's just brutal journeys. Sounds awful. That you go home, you get uh, a bit of love there for having some success, and you go, you know what? I want to go back out. Yeah. To the roughest conditions. I want to go in lose a different limb to frostbite. Yeah, that's right. I want to roll the dice on another. I thing. don't even particularly like going on a hike. <laughs> you know, on a nice day, I'll go for a walk if it's flat. But a hike. A hike. I'll go for a no. stroll down the shops. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, if I can get, get a six pack. Yeah, yeah I'm not picking something up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need at the shops? I'm going. I'll go down the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so, just to confirm, are there any bottleos at the North Pole? I'd, well, I've not been, so I can't confirm nor deny, so I will say yes. But I do love that he's gone, I need the best man on the job. What? The best man said no. Okay. Right. <laughs> Who's your second best man? Oh, Dave, that happens a lot more times. <laughs> Barrow's second choice was a man named James Clark Ross, who also declined because he'd promised his new wife that he'd finished up with polar exploration. <laughs> so Barrow's you third... You promised. Cho- that's such a funny thing that he... Not me. I'd love to go. Oh, oh for sure. But I promised the old bloody bald child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about Said that, Said to the mate. missus, all right, love, that was my last one. And tell you what, I do not want to be sleeping on the couch for a month. Yeah, I don't so want to do the bloody dog here. So it's a no from me, thanks. I don't reckon I'll be doing that. Bloody, I won't hear the end of it. I get enough bloody trouble at home without do. going on another Arctic expedition. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you that. Honestly, the miso hates the Arctic exploration. Like, yeah, what limo you come back missing this time, <laughs> hey? Another one of the useful ones. You can't take out the bins anymore. And I'll tell you what, she's right. Last time, nearly lost my dick. <laughs> the most useful limb I've got. And she said, that's it. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's frostbiting your dick, it's me. <laughs> now get the ice tray. <laughs> get the ice cubes. Here we go. Happy anniversary. <laughs> it's just an anniversary thing. <laughs> oh, it's so cold. Only <laughs> once a year. Once a year. Keep it fresh. <laughs> so he says, no, that's the second choice. Barrow's third choice was a man named James Fitzjames. Oh, yeah. That's good. I mean, I guess why it's the third choice for that. <laughs> <laughs> he was rejected by the uh, the higher ups because he was a bit too young. He was 27. Oh, right. uh, he was seven years old. <laughs> He's too young. He was very qualified, but a bit too young. Bit too Let's young. see who else we've got. Yeah. Older. Could be shit up as long as they're a bit older. <laughs> a bit yeah. older than that. He considered a man named George back, but thought he was too argumentative. Oh, yeah. That would <laughs> he, be bad on an expedition, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, especially the leader. To I see. Or leader. Leader. you got to, you know, you got to be able to take some constructive feedback. Mm. got to be able to give constructive feedback. Yeah. you got to be able to communicate in multiple different ways for different personalities, different communication types. Uh-huh. His go-to was no fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And how that's does that so sound, I, just Dave? Saw, I was just asking him how you want your toast. No fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, please argue with me. And he just punches him. Can yeah. I get you a cup of tea? <laughs> he was argumentative and also a little bit violent. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, he was just an asshole. <laughs> uh, he also considered Francis Crozier, but he was Irish and of humble background. So Barrow thought, nah. Well, I don't want humility mm. on a boat. You don't want Irish. What that's a great name. 
That's the best name so Francis far. Crozier? Yeah, Crozier? Great name. Francis Crozier. I'm saying it like the uh, Irish musician Hosier. <laughs> Crozier. Right. That may, I think that adds up. I think that works. So reluctantly, Barrow offered the expedition to his sixth choice, 59-year-old John Franklin. I mean, nothing like being in the top six. Yeah. yeah. He's older. He's definitely older. Yeah. He's got more than double bloody youngster. So. Young in the gear back there. So mm, pretty, good. pretty good. James Fitzjames. James Fitzjames. That baby. So despite being the last pick, Franklin had uh, really fit a lot into his 59 years. I mean, he was the last pick, but whoever's picked is going to be the last pick, right? That's true. If he said no, he would have been the second last pick. (laughs) But if the first person had said yes, they would have been the first and last pick. Yeah. You're my first and last, baby. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) You're my everything. But you can say that to everyone. You're my third and last. Please say yes. I keep making these calls. Don't make me a liar. (laughs) So Franklin had served in the British Royal Navy for over 40 years and in that time led two expeditions into the Canadian Arctic in 1819 and 1825 and was appointed Lieutenant Governor of Van Diemen's Land, now Tasmania, in 1837. There's a statue of him in Franklin Square in Hobart and the town of Franklin and the Franklin River both get oh, their names from him. Oh, right. As do several places in Canada, Greenland and Antarctica. But Oh, wow. So he, he got a... He's done quite a bit. Got around a bit. Yeah. Um, so the expedition was to take two ships, HMS Erebus and HMS Terror. Franklin was given command of Erebus. I mean, he's still like... The man in charge, but you can't be on two boats at once, can you? Uh, um, that's the thing, isn't it? You tried. can't be in two boats at once. I've tried. Yeah. And really? Dave, eyes in the back of my split boat. so many pants oh, really trying hurt. to yeah. Honestly, it was like Jean-Claude Van Damme on top of that thing. Yeah. In and what then we way? said, Dave, pick a boat. In what way were you like Jean-Claude Van Damme? Well, my limbs were absolutely uh, parallel. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I was riding the two ships. Yeah. And, you, and you had a six-pack. Exactly. Flexing. And an accent. And an accent. Exactly, which we explained with a complicated backstory. <laughs> <And you laughs> oh, why has he got his Belgian accent? Oh, okay, great. Oh, that's why. He was raised in a convent, taught <laughs> by French people. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That's oh, all makes okay. sense. Couldn't do an American accent, you say? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Franklin's in command of the Erebus, and the Irishman, Crozier, was appointed his executive officer and was made commander of Terror a ship that he had commanded on previous expeditions. He knew the ship. So who's second in charge? Uh, the Irishman, Crozier. Crozier. Oh, right, so they trusted him with that. Yeah. But he Francis can't be the leader because he's a little too Irish. He's a bit too Irish for me. Too young to lead the whole thing. Cause we'll no, he was too Irish. Oh, too Irish. The one who was too young uh, was appointed second in command of a Oh, so they're all on there. Or the ones who didn't reject the yeah, offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still allowed to come, but they're not in charge. Right. For being Irish or young. So James Fitzjames, he's appointed second in command. I mean, none of this will really come up again, to be honest. I'm just letting you know. Hey, I, like to, I like to paint a picture. Yeah. Or I like a picture painted for me. You paint me a picture. Paint me a picture. I can't sleep with that picture. You paint. <laughs> you paint for me. What a weird <laughs> reason to not be able to get to sleep. I just can't sleep. I can't someone sleep. Painted a picture. I mean, like, yeah, this is a live piece of art. Please. And if you could sign and date it in the corner, that would be really good. <laughs> But it needs to be, like, very, very good, but done in, like, 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, thanks, because otherwise I will fall asleep. <laughs> oh, hang on. Oh, no. Now, these ships were state-of-the-art for the time. Both were over 300 tonne. They fitted. W- they were fitted with steam engines, um, and they could reach 7.4 kilometres an hour on steam power or travel under wind power to reach higher speeds and or save fuel. 
So they've, they've got... I, d- I wouldn't have even thought steam engines back then, but I have real no concept of um, of time. Yeah, when did steam get invented? I don't know. I didn't realise steam was around that far back. Yeah. What year is this? 1845. I mean, it's sort of like an 18... Mi- mid-century type thing, I think. And it came from... Like, they used the steam engines from trains, I believe. So right. trains have been around for a while. And they got those from kettles. Ah. Uh. <laughs> that's when the kettle... That's the kettle's kettle done. Hey, Kettle's I didn't know Jess was a man of a thousand noises as well. I am a man of a thousand noises. Thank you. Um, the ships also <laughs> had uh, reinforced bows. Is it bow? Bows. They shat themselves. Yeah, you got to reinforce, reinforce that thing. Bows. Bow. 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 bow sounds I know, right. but I got so bow. in my head and I kept reading it as bow. And I wasn't going to say this, but I wrote next to it in brackets, little bow wow, to oh, remind yeah. myself of how to say <laughs> it. Bow, that's clever. Oh, wow. And then but I the laughed when I saw the, it. Because you're like, little bow wow, little bow wow. Yeah. And then you're, <laughs> you're going to write another thing in brackets. Little bow woe? Little <laughs> bow woe. Reinforced bows. I mean, you got to do it. Wows. Constructed of heavy beams and iron plates. And they also had internal steam heating systems for the comfort of the crew in polar conditions. They had heating. That's nice. Steam heating, lovely. Isn't that nice? They also had libraries of more than a thousand books and three years worth of tinned food. This is probably the the most prepared expedition I've come across. Yeah. They never the books. I don't know. I mean, do the books seem unnecessary, books. but... Mm. It's it's Three obviously years of quite foods, luxurious. Right. Usually, like you know, they're living in horrific conditions. Yeah, I don't know what their their living quarters are like, but I mean, if you've got a library, you're probably not. It's probably not completely shit, yeah. is it? You've probably I'm got a bed. Not yeah, just no, but imagine that being told. I'm afraid uh, there's no beds on this. All boat. the budget went to books. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we've got the complete works of Shakespeare over a thousand times. So, so you could all have fifty copies each. Weren't many books written back then. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, there were 134 men in total, 68 men on the Erebus and 66 on Terra. Um, I also want to mention that Franklin being the Lieutenant Governor of Van Diemen's Land isn't the only link to Australia that was on this expedition. Commander Henry Le Vescont was the first cousin of William John Wills, the co-leader of the Willie 1861 Wills. Burke and Wills expedition. Wow, blood relative. Yep, that was his cousin. To John Franklin. No, to Henry Le Viscont. Oh, oh, I did hear you say the that. The other name I said. Yep. Um, and also, so that, I mean, the Birkenwills was after this anyway, um, a few years later, but there was another connection as well. William Gibson, who was a steward on, on the Terror, was the elder brother of Alfred Gibson, who disappeared just a year earlier on an 1874 expedition led by Ernest uh, Giles to cross the desert of Western Australia from east to west and was honoured in the naming of Gibson Desert. So there's a few fun links there to Australian tragedies oh. and oh, disappearances on expeditions. Foreshadowing. Yeah. So on the morning of the 19th of May, 1845, the expedition set sail from Greenhithe in Kent. They stopped briefly in Stromness, on the Orkney Islands in northern Scotland, and from there they sailed to Greenland, a journey which took them about 30 days. On their trip to Greenland, they were accompanied by a transport ship called Barreto Junior, and once they got there to a place called Disco Bay... Oh, oh man, yeah. the silent disco was absolutely pumping that night. How good is that? Boom, 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 boom. 
So that's on the west coast of, of Greenland. Do you uh, think these guys will be staying alive? <laughs> 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> so when they get to Disco Bay, they kind of stop and their transport ship stops with them as well. Ten oxen that the transport ship had been carrying were slaughtered for fresh meat, which was then loaded onto the two ships. So rather than taking all the meat with them because they can't, they don't have fridges, uh, they can't store it. So just kept the meat inside the ox. Yeah, on a different ship and then slaughtered it. And they go, okay, now we've got all the meat. Now we can start Sounds the Sounds complicated, journey. but I guess that makes sense. I guess it, it does. But yeah, like keep them alive as long as possible. But then why not keep, I don't know. Um, so then uh, they were about to head out on the actual expedition part of their journey. And so the men wrote their final letters to family. Five men were discharged due to sickness and sent home, reducing the final crew to 129 men. And those guys be stoked in hindsight sort of thing? Probably. Shout out at the time. Oh, oh, oh I'm missing out on this death cruise. <laughs> death cruise. Now, uh, it said the trip to Greenland took them 30 days, which should mean it's like mid-June when they leave, like when they leave Disco Bay. But late July of 1845, two whaling ships called Prince of Wales. <laughs> I mean, fantastic. <laughs> That's very good. And Enterprise came across Terra and Erebus in Baffin Bay, which, was, which is the northwest of where they'd stopped in Disco Bay. And the expedition were waiting for good conditions to cross to Lancaster Sound. So they were just kind of like hanging out in this middle of a bay waiting for conditions to open up for them. But it seems like they were waiting there a little while, maybe a month or so, a, m- a month or so. And the expedition was never seen again. Wait, what? By Europeans. Okay. Oh, okay. So that was the last time that that Europeans so saw So the them. two whaling ships saw them and were like, yep. oh, check them out over there. Anyway. They're like, oh, there they are. Okay, yeah, cool. And then they were never seen again. Whoa. Until now. <laughs> Here they are tonight. Come on down. <laughs> John Franklin. <laughs> John Franklin. Look at him. He is looking worse for wear. But he made it. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You are so old and you've been cold for a long time. <laughs> old and cold. After two years with no word from the expedition, public concerns started to grow. What about that bloke who's been like, I really need you to do this before I retire? Yeah, he's the like, months ago, He's like, no, nah, no, nah, give him a couple more days. Couple more days. All right, couple more weeks. A couple of months, all right. You know, it's not, that easy. it's not that easy what they're doing. So, you yeah, know, you've got to give them a chance. <laughs> the Admiralty was urged by members of Parliament as well as John Franklin's wife to send out a search party. It's been a couple of years. We haven't heard from them. We've got to go look for them. The Admiralty was like, it's cool. I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> but they did put together a three-step plan to go looking for them. They sent one party on an overland search led by John Richardson and John Ray down the Mackenzie River to the Canadian Arctic coast. They also sent two search parties by sea, one entering the Canadian Arctic through Lancaster Sound, the same way the original expedition had gone, and one search party entering from the Pacific side. So it's like they're trying to go, we'll we'll catch them in the middle. Um, A £20,000 reward was offered to any party or parties of any country who shall render assistance to the crew of the Discovery ships under the command of Sir John Franklin. That's just over $2 million today. That is a lot of money, isn't it? Just to to help them. Two mil, 20,000 pound, crazy. 
So the sea search parties were not very successful, but public interest just continued to grow. Like it was in the papers, people were talking about it. There were even songs written about the event, including Lady Franklin's lament about Lady Franklin worried about her husband <laughs> not being alive. You Does know, fun, topical stuff well, to write songs about. It wasn't written by her, though. <laughs> no, imagine. She ghost wrote it, obviously. Yeah, yeah Get a of bit course. of uh, publicity going. So the search continued, though. In 1850, 11 British and two American ships cruised the Canadian Arctic. Several converged off the east coast of Beachy Island, where the first relics of the expedition were found, including remnants of a winter camp from 1845 to 1846 and the graves of John Torrington, John Hartwell and William, William Brain. No message from the Franklin expeditions were found at this site. So they've, like they've, they've found a, a bit of a camp and they're like, okay, well, they were here. Yeah. And they found some graves, but they don't know anything else. Mm. There were several other expeditions to try to find them, but this passage from Wiki made me laugh a little bit. In 1852, Edward Belcher was given command of the government Arctic expedition in search of Franklin. This was unsuccessful. Belcher's inability to render himself popular with his subordinates was peculiarly unfortunate in an Arctic voyage, and he was not wholly suited to command vessels among ice. Four of the five ships were abandoned in pack ice, for which Belcher was court-martialed but acquitted. Oh, dear. They sent him out with five ships, and he wasn't good at ships. <laughs> or leading. Yeah. Or just being liked by anyone ever. But I make a mean roast. And (laughs) doesn't that count for something? That's how I got this job. I I applied to be the cook. Yeah, and they said, mate, you're the captain. (laughs) Yeah, I said captain of the kitchen. They said, no, captain of it all. (laughs) Yeah, captain of all the kitchens on five ships. I'll 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 do a lot of the scheduling, the uh, meal planning, the grocery shopping. I'll do the invoices, no worries about it. He said, said, I'm, I'm the best. Captain Cook you've ever seen. They were like, oh, you're great at... Yeah, okay, you're great. Yeah, you're as good as Captain Cook. Captain's wow. Good, yeah, you can run Fantastic. the whole five ships. I said, no, 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 I think you misunderstood. I can do a grilled cheese. And they're yeah. like, sorry, mate. And uh, they just pushed the boat away. I know how to open those tins you got in there. That's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. I can warm them up with the steam. Yeah, great. I've got a tin opener. Yeah. You forgot to pack one. Yeah. And you've got a thou- like 3,000 cans, of more than that. That's a lot of cans. That's a lot of cans. Oh, well. So, I think you need me on board. Through multiple search parties over many, many years, bits and pieces of the puzzle were able to be put together. Like, this is what was so fascinating about other reports we've done, whether it was Shackleton or we've done other, like, Arctic ones as well. The Arctic balloon expedition. That was also ill-fated. Yeah. But um, But there were diary entries. Yeah, that's right. We knew, like, 90% of the story. The end part was, like, how do they they go? But we knew where they'd been. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this one is, like... Yeah, you, we don't. We have no. We have one piece of evidence from from people on the expedition. The rest is just like stuff they found over the years. And as technology and science has progressed, they've been able to learn more about it. Right. But we know nothing. There's nothing from them. It's possible that that John Franklin never even existed. Yeah. No one's Whoa. ever actually seen him. Whoa. Well, Look him up. He's a weird-looking dude. Boy, there hasn't been a John Franklin around these parts. <laughs> Since 1845. <laughs> 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 
Um, yeah, okay, so we can put bits and pieces together. So basically what we know is that Franklin's men spent the winter of 1845 to 46 on Beachy Island where three crew members died and were buried. I was going to say, that before. sounds nice. Oh, Beachy, <laughs> Beachy Island. Island. Three members died. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the death isn't great. Uh, after travelling down Peel Sound through the summer of 1846, Terra and Erebus became trapped in ice off King William Island in September of 1846 and are thought to have never sailed again. They just got stuck in ice. They didn't have slugs, obviously. Uh, oh, okay. release the slugs. To, to release. You don't want to die with slugs still in the barrel unreleased. That's right. You may as well. I mean, you know, let them do their thing. Yeah. Slugs travel by barrel? Yeah, barrel of slugs, you yeah. know. You know the famous phrase? Yeah. Barrel of slugs. Get out the barrel of slugs. <laughs> that's, where, that's where they come from. Yeah, did you know that? I didn't I mean, know it's that. something you use every day and you never even knew the origin. Yeah, that's amazing. Get out the barrel of slugs mm. as you pour your cornflakes into the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder where they come from. <laughs> um, the only written information from the expedition itself is a note found with two entries on it around a year apart between the two entries, but one bit of paper. I think it was the first note was written by uh, like just a, a crew member and sort of hidden away. And then it was found by uh, a couple of like the um, higher ups on the expedition and then moved to a different spot. Right. But, but I'm not going to read the whole letter because they're, it's that old language and it's very hard to follow. But... Uh, the note was left on King William Island by Fitzjames and Crozier. The first entry said where they'd spent winter, that Sir John Franklin was commanding the expedition and that all was well. The second note said Sir John Franklin died on the 11th of June, 1847. <laughs> so this is the only, like, they're about a year apart, these right, two notes. So the first one's like, Everything's this good. is We're sick. Okay. We're having a great time here. I do not miss anyone. Now they're like, the captain is dead. <laughs> Uh, and a total loss of death. The captain's going to be crushing into a cube. Please collect your cube. <laughs> Is it about my cube? Total loss of uh, total loss by deaths in the expedition had been to this date nine officers and fifteen men. The remaining crew had abandoned the ship. The remaining crew had abandoned the ships a few days earlier and now planned to walk over the island across the sea ice towards Back River on the Canadian mainland, beginning on 26th of April 1848. Right, so now they're like, I mean, a few people have died, but don't worry, we're going to walk home. So quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, we've got a plan. Yeah, the plan is we're going walk home. Yeah. <laughs> and how um, hard can it be to walk across an ocean? Uh, yeah. All we got to do is walk back to London. Easy. Okay. Done. Great. And then when we get there, you know, apply for a job. <laughs> Set up a new life. Set up a new life. It's great. You can be anything you want. I can be anything you want. I haven't seen, seen my family in a couple of years. Whatever. You can go back to cooking like you wanted. Exactly. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to make baked beans. <laughs> oh, the dream. <laughs> uh, oh, bleak sentence next. The rest of the crew died on the march. Most on the... It says the rest of the crew died on the march. But then the next thing is 30 or 40 men reached the northern coast of the mainland before dying, hundreds of miles from the nearest outpost of Western civilization. Right, and this is in the letter? This is like or stuff that we've been able to figure out from there. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So the Overland Search Party had a little more success in getting more details, but in a way that information served as a detriment to them. So... The Overland Search Party had set off in 1848 and by the following year they decided to split the party. 
Oh, I mean, nervous with the party. What are you thinking? What are you bloody doing? John Richardson returned to Liverpool by November of 1849, while John Ray continued over the next several years. <laughs> so the split the party. One, some of us are going home. One of us. That's isn't. the good news. The rest of you are continuing on for several years. Yeah. Wow. I would have taken Liverpool. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I'm. I'm not 100 percent sure. It sounded like John Ray kind of stuck around by himself. Right. And so I think most. I don't think it was a huge. Exhibition uh, overland, but it seems like most of them turned around. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, something that Ray did a little differently was that he spoke to the Inuit people and got their help and information. Um, in the spring of 1853, so this is a few, this is like four years later, he encountered, uh, in the spring of 1853, he encountered, uh, an Inuit in possession of objects he recognised as belonging to the Franklin expedition. There was stuff like spoons and it was like cutlery and little bits of silverware and stuff that he was like oh that's very british looking and he sort of had a look at it um he purchased as many of the objects as he could and they were later confirmed to belong to franklin fitzjames crozier and other members of the crew wow they had like coats of arms and stuff on them so it was easy to sort of go oh yeah that's so he basically he had them and he like drew out sketches of what they looked like and stuff and sent it off and be like, this is what I found. Um, Interviewing others in the area revealed that the Inuits had encountered the remnants of Franklin's crew in the spring of 1850. So they'd they'd found or seen, um, and I've got more, I've got like his letter here, which really explains it a lot. The following April of 1854... 
he met another Inuit who told him that the party of 30 to 40 white men had died of starvation near the mouth of Back River. So he sent word back to the Admiralty. And this is, um, there's a whole, this is a big sort of chunk from his letter. He wrote, subsequently, further particles were received and a number of articles purchased, which placed the fate of a portion, if not all of, the then survivors of Sir John Franklin's long-lost party beyond doubt, a fate terrible as the imagination can conceive. In the spring, four winters passed. <laughs> Love that. That's, that's a good sentence. So that spring 1850, a party of white men amounting to about 40 was seen travelling southwards over the ice and dragging a boat with them. From the appearance of the men, all of whom except one officer looked thin, they were then supposed... <laughs> <laughs> one fat guy up the back. It was like, Tim, are you sure you're not hiding food? <laughs> I mean... It's okay if you are. Just, just say just now. Let but us, yeah. honestly, the rest of us... We could do with a bit. Tim's like, do not search my backpack. He's jingling the whole way. Clunker, clunker, clunker. He's like, it's like he's got the rustling of like um, chocolate wrappers. He's like, yeah. I can like, we just had cans. Where'd you even get that? Yeah, that's, that, I can smell a ham sandwich. <laughs> so they all looked thin. The letter sort of continues. They were then supposed to be getting sh- short of provisions and purchased a small seal from the natives. At a later date the same season, but previous to the breaking up of the ice, the bodies of some 30 persons were discovered on the continent and five on an island near it. Some of the bodies had been buried, probably those of of the first victims of famine. Some were in tents, others under the boat, which had been turned over to form a shelter, and several lay scattered about in different directions. From This is all still from the letter. From the mutilated state of many of the corpses and the contents of the kettle, it is evident that our wretched countrymen had been driven to the last resource, cannibalism, as a means of prolonging existence. So, yeah. But it obviously didn't keep many of them alive for very long. Yeah, it didn't work very well for them, did it? That's the main thing. As long as you're resorting to cannibalism, as long as it doesn't actually pay off in the end, I mean, you may as well... Have a little nibble. Find yeah. out what all the fuss is about exactly. yeah. before you die. After that, no you harm, no harm, no foul, you know? Yeah. Like the miracle in the Andes. Yeah. But that worked for them, that didn't worked it? For but them, it did work. Yeah. I mean, nearly so every time do. we've encountered cannibalism on this show, which is quite a few times now, it's usually worked out. So you could go, well... Oh, that's true. Because some of the Donner Party... Yeah, the Donner Party and also the uh, the Essex, the real-life Moby Dick people that had to oh, eat each I other. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. God, I forget a lot of this show. Yeah, you do. Perch last week or a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the Perch yes. that were released into Perch, they will eat oh yeah, New they Zealand ate themselves they ate to survive. <laughs> yep. They will eat other fish and their own fish. Um, so that was in April that he sent that letter back. And he returned to England in October only to find that his findings had been released to the press and were published in the London Times like days after he got home. Well, so he's like, I'm famous. Causing a lot of anger and distress. Oh, okay. All right, he didn't like that. People are really mad. He had a lot of backlash for his claims of cannibalism and he was publicly spurned by Charles Dickens on behalf of Franklin's widow, Jane. Oh, Charles Dickens had a crack. Yeah. Which is just fucking crazy. Um, other people who had searched for Franklin's party were awarded knighthoods, but John Ray was not. Even though he found out a lot more information yes. than anyone because, else. So because he was 
too honest. They didn't want to know that truth. Yeah, I mean, he was he was never forgiven for delivering that news. They really they shot the messenger. Wow. I mean, so the strange. whole thing was we want to find out what's happened. Like, ideally, find them and save them if they're if they're in strife. Or second to that, if they are dead, figure out what happened to them. And he did that, and they were like, "Oh, this is this the is the people bullshit. who tried and find anything. They're getting knighthoods. Yeah. You, you fucked up. No, mate. no, no. Well, no, well, no. well, mate, we we didn't want results. No, we wanted to go out there for a little bit, then come back and say, ah, or knighthood. Yeah, just maybe paint a a nice guess." picture yeah or go look i got their spoons back hey. oh knighthood for you oh we like a spoon you like the spoons? i we think he did that in get a, museum. A, a small amount oh i say small amount i think i read ten thousand pounds or something which i guess is still a million dollars or something oh but, yeah but he was essentially just kind of like yeah just go and enjoy your million dollars yeah. you loser you dog he was I just kind of, that kind of dog yeah exactly millionaire dog Oh, yeah. Oh, a millionaire dog. Millionaire now that. Dog. Shun me all you like if you give me a million bucks. Yeah, that's right. D- Charles Dickens, I will. you can punch me in the face in the street if I get a million dollars. Yeah. What okay. day is it, boy? Yeah. Punch me in the head day, Sir Charles Dickens. You a sir? Probably are. They give them, seem to give them out <laughs> They give them out all the time. So they give them out to anyone who finds a fucking spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, large spoon collection. Knighthood for you. So, searches for information and answers continued over the next 170 years. Whoa. That's like till now, right? Yep. Evidence suggested that a combination of cold, starvation and disease, including scurvy, pneumonia and tuberculosis, all made worse by lead poisoning, killed everyone in the Franklin Party. Now, lead poisoning, you might ask. Oh, are they painting with lead paint? (laughs) (laughs) No, the tinned food... Oh, no. Was supplied by a provisioner named Stephen Goldner who was uh, given the contract just a few, like seven weeks before they set sail. Cursed so it was this by their well-stocked fridge. It was this really big order and he was like, oh, this is great for my business, but he had to like really work under the pump. So he worked frantically on a large order of 8,000 tins. <laughs> the haste required affected quality control of some of the tins, which were later found to have lead soldering that was thick and sloppily done and dripped like melted candle wax down the inside surface oh. was the quote. So their three years' worth of food was slowly poisoning them. Oh, no. But a 2013 study indicated that the lead levels in their bones had been consistent throughout their lives and if they'd been getting poisoned, there'd be a spike. Right. I don't know how you tell that from bones. What's well, this? The bones are much like trees. So you they can got tell rings. A lot from so oh, lead rings. Depending on how many lead rings you've got and how thick the lead yeah. rings are. That's fascinating. Check it the is, femur. Yeah. I'm a bone scientist. <laughs> You're a bone man. Some oh, people call boy. me a bone doctor. <laughs> uh, I bone call you doctors, bone boy. Bone doctor's here for business. That's what I say when I'm entering a boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bone. It's funny when I, I give Jess regret face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is impressive. Welcome um, to the bone yard. <laughs> Would oh, I enter, no, good. What would I enter the boudoir? Um, so, yeah, they, 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 this study in 2013 was like, actually, it's probably more to do with malnutrition. <laughs> um, actually. Um, actually. But still, the, just the idea when I was reading that, that like the they had food and you're like, okay, well, that's good. But then the food is 
That's the bad. Lead poisoning. <laughs> yeah. It's a real but monkey you a free, pool thing. You get a free, <laughs> free frogurt. Free frogurt. Free frozen yogurt. That's good. <laughs> but it's cursed. It's also cursed. That's, That's bad. bad. Um, <laughs> potassium benzoate. <laughs> That's bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good bit. One of ours that we came up with. Yeah. Wow, one of the many. God, we are, we are quippy. Um, in September of 2014, a Canadian team announced that it had located one of Franklin's two ships. The ship was in good condition at the time, was about 11 metres uh, of water, under about 11 metres oh of water. Right, I thought they found it, like, it's in good condition. We just found it, like, you know, it's just on Gumtree. Yeah. Someone was just selling it. It's crazy. Hey, I reckon I We actually just ship. Googled it. Yeah, just type old boat for sale. <laughs> Franklin. <laughs> Franklin, keyword search. Oh, there it is. Huh. And all they wanted was 15 grand. Easy peasy. So here I am at the bank asking for a loan, yeah. please. <laughs> so it's under 11 metres of water. That's so it's 36 feet and it was the bottom of uh, Wilmot and Crampton Bay. A month later it was confirmed that the ship that had been found was the HMS Erebus. So they found it in 2014. They that's left, amazing. They left in 1845. I mean, that's a long round trip. Crazy. <laughs> Well, two years later, in September of 2016, it was announced that the Arctic Research Foundation expedition had found the wreck of HMS Terror. No. South of King William Island in Terror Bay. I don't know if that's, you know. Any relation? I think. <laughs> imagine. Let's, let's say yes. What are the chances? I know. It was in a depth of 24 metres, so it was a bit deeper, and it was in pristine condition. Oh, wow. Which is baffling, because wouldn't they be, oh, it probably wasn't made of wood. I was thinking like a pirate ship. Like wood. Yeah. No, I think it probably was made of wood, right? I but don't know. It's oft, sometimes the water is so cold around those things that they sort of preserve better, maybe. Yeah. Or I'm it's in maybe they made it with hue and pine. Yes, mm. that's right. From Andy Matthews that that is basically just doesn't deteriorate. Oh, that's ever. right. Yeah. Yeah. Never rots. So maybe. But yeah, so, that, so only a few years ago they were found. And do they bring them up? I'm not sure, actually. No, nah, they never mention them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't actually even look at that. I was just like, wow, they were found. I'm not sure what they've done with them now. I wonder if you could transport them. But, yeah, so this is probably why a lot of people suggested it because it was pretty big news in Canada especially. Uh, right. It's amazing that both ago. of them were found. I know, yeah. But still a lot of mystery around. So, like, yeah, there's there have been so many since the late 1850s to now when they found the ships and probably still looking for information looking for what happened you know but uh forgot where i was going with that point <laughs> <laughs> but you know etc uh, filling your own conclusion here um, <laughs> no, i was just saying that like like if you look at like the wikipedia page for example there's just like it's every few years there's another expedition that's gone and they've right. looked for something and maybe they've found like a small a detail yeah, 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 yeah. A spoon. but there's still nothing that's like really yeah we don't fully know what happened or but, but how they finding got stuck. the ships and finding them in those spots did that give anyone any more you know closure or oh why were they in this area did that help well it seems like it was a bit weird because of the the allegations that, well, I mean, they're true, about cannibalism and stuff like that. Um, the story was still really widely popular and, like, that kind of got brushed over in time. So, like, uh, Franklin's wife, Jane, was furious at that. And there was also sort of, like, 
the way that people are looking at it now or more recently is that a lot of it was fairly racist, like Dickens in particular sort of saying like you can't trust the Inuit people. It was sort of a, yeah, it was this weird kind of imperialistic kind of thing where it was like, well, we'd obviously know better. And it's like, would you? You weren't there. You weren't there. Um, okay. And yeah, these so people um, died. I think my guess is yeah. a little better from over here um, than the people who were there. I've read a letter about what happened, <laughs> so I think I know yeah. what didn't happen. Okay. When they found the ships... Did they find, like, diaries and stuff? I guess in 150 years under salty water, that's a paper's not going to last. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So, no, not, not that I read. You would have mentioned it, I reckon. I probably would have mentioned it, but as <laughs> I said, hastily put together. I didn't Honestly, think this was important. I didn't think it was important to tell <laughs> I mean, you that there was a whole diary that said page by page what happened. Yeah, exactly. Actually, bullet um, point by bullet point. <laughs> They're really written in, they in out plain the modern English. <laughs> And one of the guys was there like, oh, thank God. Yeah, there was a home I'm on my video last camera ten. footage. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, they opened it up. They, that, that place was covered in security cameras and they got every, every little bit. I watched. You walk in and he's like, the guy's like just burning out the last bit. And he's got food all over. So like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God you hear because I was this really running really out. This is really good timing. Yeah. I've read every book here. I was the non-thin one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Tim. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tim. <laughs> Um, there was one sort of fun theory as well that I, I wanted to share. In 2017, Douglas Stenton, director of for heritage in the Nunavut Territory in northeast Canada, suggested that four sets of European human remains found could possibly be women. He initially suspected that DNA testing would not offer up anything more, but to his surprise, they registered that there was no Y chromosome uh, element to the DNA. So Stenton acknowledged that women were known to have served in the Royal Navy in the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries. But he also pointed out that it could be that DNA had simply degraded as further tests proved ambiguous. But he also stated that whilst the probability of four disguised women aboard the two ships was very, very low, he could not rule it out completely. (laughs) It was a mystery episode. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, that's a mystery. We don't know if there were women on board. But, yeah, it's kind of a – it's a wild tale. And there is a lot more to the story as well. But you could go on so many different tangents. You could talk so much about John Ray's expedition and the time he spent looking for information – um, you could talk more about Franklin himself. You could talk about so many different things, but I just wanted to like get the, I guess like the the bones of the story. Oh, poor taste there. But you know, <laughs> did you examine the rings for <laughs> yeah, those bones? I checked the rings. Um, but it, it does sound like a lot of it is would be further would be speculation, right? Because it feels a bit that way. No yeah. one really knows. Yeah, which is kind of fascinating because so. So many years after, we don't know. We still don't really know. And it's interesting that people are still really curious to find it out. Like, yeah. it's obviously a mystery that's got a lot of people's attention. Yeah, exactly right. And, yeah, it was huge news. I remember a couple of people in the hat were like, this story was massive. When, yeah, and then finding the boats would have just, yeah, brought it all back up again. Yeah, yeah exactly right, yeah. And so I assume people are probably still looking for information, you know. It just it just keeps going. It's crazy. But yeah, that is my um, my story on Franklin's lost expedition. Great report. That was a fascinating story. Thanks so much for telling us, Bopper. A pleasure. Thanks to those people who suggested it. Yeah, heaps of them. 
Um, but we'll, we'll be wrapping up in the studio now. I think we're going to throw over to Jess, who uh, back at her home, probably <laughs> in a home studio, yep. maybe a boudoir. Oh, <laughs> definitely not my boudoir. <laughs> the bathtub. Doesn't that just mean bedroom? Yeah. Oh. I'm just saying I won't be in my bedroom. My microphone's connected to my computer. I'm and like, study. have I been saying something fucked? <laughs> 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 no, no. I mean, I kind of was, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Anyway. It just means bedroom. Does boudoir mean asshole? <laughs> Realistically, <laughs> I won't be there. Bob's probably going to be recording this from inside her <laughs> <our> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might sound a little funny in there. <laughs> um, so we'll throw over to Jess now. Thanks, past Matt. Um, yes, I am coming to you live from my study. Not in the boudoir, as Matt promised. And as I quite clearly pointed out, that is because uh, my microphone and computer are in the study, which is a very logical place for a computer to be. Anyway, um, anytime I have to do one of these by myself, I end up stopping and starting a lot, which I'm refusing to do today um, because I've been talking all day. Um, just got back from work at Triple J. I've been doing breakfast for the last few weeks and uh, I'm kind of sick of talking. So I'm not going to stop and start this a million times. I'm going to back myself and I'm just going to bloody do it. So that brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show, the fact, quote, or question. And I believe it has a little jingle that goes something like this. A fact, quote, or question. Ding. And uh, our first fact, quote, or question comes from Nathan Damon, who's given himself the title Senior Fairy Light Installation Engineer for the Dugo-On Mansion. Nathan, I really could have used your services recently. I put fairy lights around an archway in my house. And to be honest, looked pretty damn cute, but I think it could have been better. But it doesn't matter now because the dog chewed through the wire. So those lights are now obsolete. Anyway, Nathan has asked a question. Nathan says... I don't think I've asked a question on here before, so I thought I'd give it a go. Clears throat. How are you? Nathan, thank you for asking. I am tired. <laughs> no, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Um, yeah, breakfast radio and a new puppy. Doesn't. It's not the perfect combo, I've got to be honest. Not the perfect combo, um, but it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying both immensely, so... I'm great. And as for Matt and Dave, I don't uh, normally like to speak on their behalf, except that I love to speak on their behalf. So I will say Matt is great and Dave is fine. I will text them both after this and confirm, but I'm pretty sure Matt, great, Dave, fine. Um, our second fact quote or question comes from Joe Fly. Oh, hang on. Joe's given Fleischman. Joe, thank you for giving a phonetic uh, spelling out for us. Really appreciate that. I know that's for Matt's purpose. I probably would have said Fleischman anyway, but, um, you know, I know that's for Matt, but it was helpful for me anyway. Joe has given himself the title of Official Twin Cities Director of Distributing Bags of Rags to New Fathers. Yes, dads have ba bags of rags. So many. My dad's just got so many rags. Yeah, and every time I go over, not every time, but quite often when I go over there, he won't say anything or ask. He just cleans my car and then just wipes it off with a rag. He's a weird man, my dad. Anyway, Joe has given us a quote and the quote is, fact. Okay, well, it's not a quote then, is it? The three main characters of the show Animaniacs are the Warner Brothers and their sister Dot. Dot got her name from period dot. 
that follows brothers when it is abbreviated to bros. Okay. That's a bit cute. It's not a quote. Not a quote at all. It's a fact, as you stated. It's a fact. But I'll allow it, and it was interesting in itself. Uh, another fact quote or question here from Jessica Gillette Sheetha. Jessica's given herself the title of Jessie Jess Jess, Queen of the Donut People. And <laughs> I, for one, bow down to you, my queen. And Jess has asked a question. She said, I've been inspired by the Great British Bake Off recently and started upping my baking game. But I've begun, uh, begun to run out of ideas on what to make that isn't something overly complicated. So what is everyone's favourite sweet and savoury based baked good? Oh no, and you've said looking forward to Dave's inevitable pie answer, but I am answering by myself. Again, I'll answer for them. So I've been watching a little bit of Great British Bake Off. It's so soothing for the soul. It's so fun to watch. Um, Baking wise, I've been getting very into ginger biscuits last year. My father's mum, so my grandmother, um, always used to make these chewy just delicious ginger biscuits when I was a kid and we've never really been able to recreate them because she was just one of those cooks or bakers where she wouldn't measure anything it was just like bit of this bit of that bit of this I don't know she probably just knew the recipe so well she didn't really need to check it so we never really had them once she passed away when I was like nine and uh, over the past couple of years, I've found different recipes and some were sort of cakey. These ones that I found recently, I was making them last year. I made them for Christmas. Um, they are so goddamn good. They're like chewy and just delicious. They're so yum, but so, so bad for you. Like you, you have to cream together a cup of sugar and like three quarters of a cup of butter. And that's just two of the ingredients. It's just so bad for you. So I, I've banned myself from making them now just for my own consumption. That's why I made them for Christmas. Because I was like, at least that way I will share them with people. And I still ate the bulk of them myself. And as for a more savoury, a croissant savoury, they're still kind of sweet. But I would say they're my favourite sort of pastry. Going through a real phase of them on the weekends. Go get a few little pastries, have a coffee. Oh, heaven. I'm officially 30. Uh, Dave, I would definitely say pies for him, savoury or sweet. Matt's going through a bit of a donut phase, I've got to say. Um, yeah, we'll catch up. Or when I say catch up, we'll meet to do the podcast. And he will have said that over the weekend he'd ordered some donuts trying lots of different flavours. I reckon he's gone through a bit of a donut phase. I hope that answers your question. If it doesn't, I mean, feel free to ask that again at a later date if uh, that hasn't satisfied your information uh, need. I'm very tired. Okay, last one. Oh, well that I've got Nathan Damon here twice, so that's a bit confusing. I will go on to Jacob Giron. And Jacob's given himself the title of head detective on the case of Matt's Auburn Auburn locks. You're on the case of it, the mystery of Matt's hair. Okay, sure. I'm glad there's a head detective in charge. That indicates that there's a team involved. Um, so that's fun. And Jacob has given us a fact. It says, in the city of Hollywood, California, it is illegal to drive more than 2,000 sheep down Hollywood Boulevard at one time. Oh, come on. 
That feels like one of those outdated rules that just hasn't been updated for ages. What if I need to get 2001 sheep down Hollywood Boulevard? Well, you know what I would do. I'd kill one of the sheep. Um, Leave one behind. I'd leave one behind. 2000 is very reasonable. Why are you carting sheep through Hollywood, California anyway, you know? Anyway, so uh, I don't want to rattle on too much by myself because that's a bit weird. So I've done four fact quota questions there. And now it's time for everybody's other favorite part of the show, uh, where we give some shout outs to people who support the show over at patreon.com forward slash do go on pod. Uh, and kicking things off today, again, I'm only going to, I'm going to thank like four people. Normally we do three each. I'm not going to sit here and do nine. I'm already sick of the sound of my own voice. I can only imagine you are as well. So I'm going to do four. And we always come up with a little game. I was thinking I would give you your own ship to be the commander of. A big responsibility. And, you know, don't let us down. But I believe in you. So, First ship off the rank from Glasgow, I would love to thank Matt Conn. And Matt Conn is the captain of the HMS Convict. Nothing to do with convict ships, though, weirdly enough. Yeah. Uh, it was just uh, you, Matt Co bought the boat with a guy whose last name was Victor. So they put their names together and they're. HMS Convict. So there you go. Thank you, Matt. Uh, secondly, from Fruit Heights in UT, which has to be Utah, I'd love to thank Brandon Castaneda. God damn, Brandon. Um, Brandon has uh, proudly just paid off the final instalment on his loan to purchase the HMS, oh, I was really hoping something would just come to me there. All right, look around the room, look around the room, you can do this. The HMS Globe. I don't have a globe on my desk, I want to make that quite clear. I have a, like a weird little light thing that is, like I was going to say light globe, but we'll just go globe. Brandon, HMS Globe. And you know why? That's because you, my friend, are going to travel the entire globe in that beautiful, beautiful ship. It's got 14 bedrooms and one bathroom. So make sure you put your name down on the waiting list. (sighs) Okay, I'm losing it. Um, Okay, next we have from an unknown location. Mm, The sea? I assume, because it's Dermot Carney. Dermot Carney... Uh, obviously, your ship is called the HMS Apricot. But don't let the cute name fool you, because Dermot's going to fuck you up. You're going to get real close and be like, look at that cute little boat. Oh, HMS Apricot, how lovely. And then your ship is going to get taken over by Dermot's crew. And then he's adding another ship to his fleet, and you're a prisoner. And he's pretty nice to prisoners unless you give him sass and then straighten the sea with you. So I'd behave if I were you. Maybe he'll give you a job on his new ship, which is your old ship. But don't be bitter about it, okay? He won it fair and square. Sorry for making you a pirate there, Dermot. And finally, I would love to thank from Woodford, New South Wales, Ashley Foley. Ashley, I reckon... 
You are the captain of the HMS Tim Burton. <laughs> so congratulations to you, Ashley. A, an honour that not everybody gets to enjoy. HMS Tim Burton. <laughs> Far out. This is why, if any young people are listening... You need to sleep. So, okay, finally, the last thing I need to do um, before I put us all out of our misery is thank a few people, welcome them in, lift up the velvet velvet rope and welcome them in to the Triptych Club where uh, it's a special club. I always imagine it as like an airport lounge, but better, you know. Like we've got fancy bathrooms and stuff with showers and you can hire out little pods that you can have a nap in for long stopovers um but we just have like nice food and drinks and fun stuff and so uh i'm gonna thank some people fuck i've got to do it all all right okay think of a band think of a band think of a band um the kooks i played the kooks on radio today so the kooks are gonna come in and play the music of the kooks but also elton john um, they're going to do some very kooks uh, sounding covers of Elton John classics. It's going to be a lot of fun. And food-wise, obviously we're going to have canned beans, um, but but these ones don't have any lead poisoning in them. Um, and uh, on toast. <laughs> we're going to have some beans on toast. Simple, classic, effective. And uh, we've got a few people that we need to thank today. I'm going to be completely honest, and I, I highly doubt this is the the part that you're the most excited about. I think maybe just being invited into the club would be good for you, but I can't hype the way Dave hypes, you know? Like, I hype him just by believing in him, um, but he does a lot of the hyping. I guess I'll – no, I'm not even going to say I'll try because it will be terrible. I just saw one name and the only thing I could think of was deeply inappropriate – so I'm not going to do it. But if it's incredibly important to you that Dave makes some sort of odd pun on either where you're from or your name and you don't get that this week because it's me, I mean, get in touch and we'll make it up to you. But I'm guessing for most of you, like with Matt and I, it is not your favourite part <laughs> of the Trip Ditch Club. Okay, so with that... Further ado, I would love to welcome in to the Triptych Club from Carlton, Victoria, Erica Steele. From Queen Bean, New South Wales, Ebony Cummins. From Glendale, Arizona, Luke Hensley. Sorry, was reading to uh, the wrong way around. Luke Hensley from Glendale and from Paris in France. Joseph Diana. So thank you so much to all four of you and everybody else who supports us on Patreon. Um, we've been really, really appreciative over the past year, especially when things got really tough for a lot of people um, that, you know, a bunch of you stayed on or you joined Patreon or you upped your uh, pledge, whatever. We just really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Um, I think that's everything. As always, 
If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at dogoonpod at gmail.com. Got our website, dogoonpod.com, which has links to everything you'd need. Merch, shows, uh, the podcast, <laughs> other things. Um, so, yeah. And do go on pod on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't have TikTok. And I think, honestly, Matt's far too old for me to try and explain TikTok to him. I don't understand TikTok. Um, so, look, until next week um, when we'll all be in the same room and I don't have to do this alone again, God, it's awkward. It just sounds and feels shit. Um, until then, Dave would say goodbye. Matt would say laters. And I say bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.